Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of My Old Kentucky Podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me this week and for the next couple weeks will be Allison Wiseman. Allison, how are you today? I'm doing great. Happy to be here, as always, with my favorite University of Kentucky fan. Yes, well, you know, you, my, my wife, I think, is ostensibly a University of Louisville fan, so you're up there. I don't know if you're number one, but you're up there uh, <laughs> in terms of my favorite UofL fans. Um, but yes, Allison Wiseman is going to be filling in for a few weeks while Jasmine is away. We're going to have like a rotating um, a host of people uh, doing this job for a while, but Allison is first up for the first three weeks of Jasmine's uh, hiatus. So Allison, who, who are you? And why are you doing this? I am the president of Kentucky Young Democrats. Uh, so that's what my big volunteer job is that I do. My actual paid job is that I work at Family and Children's Place. I'm the communications director there. It's a local nonprofit focused on ending child abuse and neglect. But I'm here in my capacity as president of KYD with you for the next few weeks. That's who I am. I was a college athlete, played softball at Hanover College. I share a degree from the same school as vice president mike pence wow indiana governor eric holcomb who is a republican and woody harrelson big old vax denier he is wait i didn't know that about woody harrelson that's really sad when people tell me i got liberal and doctrine that in college i'm like oh but did i (laughs) I wow that's crazy no yeah wait yeah you i mean college athlete college what was your what was your position in softball I was a pitcher and a first baseman. Oh, man. What was your best pitch? Did you do one of those rising softball pitches that goes up? It was actually, I had a natural curve Ooh. on my pitch, so my curveball was my best pitch. Yeah, those, those softball curves are, I like, I mean, I, wa- I watch softball and I'm like, I don't even know what's happening here. This pitch is <laughs> impossible to look at. Cause I watch, yeah. Yeah, I only watch baseball most natural, of the time. So it's, yeah. A lot of people have a natural spin, like a natural curve, a natural rise. Just, I don't, I don't know how the science works behind it but mine was a natural curve and it was my favorite pitch to throw i learned how to throw when i was probably 11 years old and kept it with me all through college and it was always my go-to pitch so then after college i went on to american university got my master's in political communication up in dc i was there for about nine months and then this thing called COVID 19 happened and then i came home because uh, my school went virtual and it's expensive to live, live in DC. Couldn't bring myself to spend that much money and not be able to fully enjoy living in DC. So I came home, got involved in Kentucky politics, and the rest is history. There you go. And here you are. And now you're co hosting my old Kentucky podcast, which is basically the crown jewel of, of uh, Kentucky like politics. The yeah. Top of the, the world for me is co-hosting this podcast yes absolutely well we do have a lot to talk about this week first and foremost we have an interview with kim reader who is running for auditor of public accounts here in kentucky on the democratic side uh we just wrapped that interview i i think she's great i loved the interview she brought a lot of energy she's really running hard which i really appreciate did you did you like that interview allison yeah she i see kim all the time at a lot of events and every time i see her i'm like are you sleeping (laughs) drinking water eating vegetables like as someone who's worked on statewide races i understand (laughs) the toll it takes and so i'm just you know checking in with her making sure that she's doing like you know wellness checks and she's just so qualified and so smart i mean our whole ticket is yeah but every time she talks about the auditor's office and 
especially the transportation section about JCPS. I didn't even know that was a thing until she talked about it on the campaign trail and informed me of it. She actually commented on my Facebook posts about it and told me and texted me about it. And I had no idea. And so that's a huge thing that people like should understand that when you're voting for auditor, especially you really are voting for someone to really shine a light on how our dollars are and aren't being spent. All right. Well, that's a great pitch for everybody to stick around and listen to the interview. Uh, <laughs> she did tell us in the she did tell us in the in the interview that she has visited 89 counties and is going to visit the other 30 before it's over. So that's crazy stuff. Uh, I yeah. What's left on the list? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I could take guesses, but I don't want to make anybody mad. Uh, right. But but we do have other things to talk about before we get to that interview. So I'm first of all going to be talking about this article that ran in the Herald Leader yesterday. Today is October the 10th, so it ran October the 9th about this uh, Family Foundation Policy Conference, and Alex Aquisto, Aquisto, Aquisto of the Herald Leader wrote about it. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that, what we learned from from that event. Um, Alice is going to talk to us a little bit about some mailers that are making their way through uh, the state, uh, especially the RBK mailers that, that are super anti-trans. Some gross stuff, uh, as usual. You know, they they always have some really gross mailers. So we'll we'll, we'll be talking a little bit about that, and we have uh, several quickets to get to. So without any further ado, let's talk a little bit about a little bit about this Family Foundation Policy Conference. All right. Like I just said, on Monday, Alex Aquisto of the Herald Leader wrote about a Kentucky Family Foundation policy conference that featured several members of the Kentucky legislature as speakers, including Robbie Mills, who is, of course, the Republican candidate for lieutenant governor. She published a lot of quotes from that event, which, I mean, are really bad. They're awful. Um, That's what I have to say about them. Uh, This event was extremely anti-LGBT and especially anti-trans. I mean, that's, of course, the trend, the way things are going, but that is is definitely true of this event. The event framed Kentucky's education system as indoctrinating children into a, quote, liberal agenda. So that is that is what they said. And the event even used the term grooming, which this is the type of language that we have been seeing quite a bit over the past year. It's really scary. It's really gross. It's really, it's false. Uh, but it is what we're seeing a lot of. Aquisto quoted Senator Lindsey Titchener, who actually represents part of Jefferson County and all of, I believe, Oldham County and going out to... He is my state senator. There you go. Well, that's a good person to run against her. I mean, I guess. We'll see what happens next time. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, Lindsey Titchener, she was quoted as saying that the LGBTQ movement in Kentucky was, quote, aggressive, unquote, and directly quoted her as saying, quote, if they get to them before us, we will spend a lifetime trying to undo it, unquote. So that's like, whenever anybody, like, you know, for people that don't like pronouns there are a lot of pronouns if they get them <laughs> they before them. us like who like and it, it is kind of like who are we talking about here who is the they who is the them like and it is like it's kind of scary because it's like do you mean like the schools do you not want children right. in schools and you know what are you going to be trying a lifetime to undo like education i mean you know uh the the the, the it's just kind of scary i don't know what she's talking about right. yeah it, it could mean a lot of different things and none of them are good so of course besides this typical language that we hear from republicans especially this style of republican all the time there were a few policy ideas that were discussed at the event nancy tate who is a state representative i don't think think she has any of louisville anymore she used to have part of like southwest louisville but i think she now is like all like 
Mead County and like yeah, that. I don't think so. yeah. yeah, part of Harden. I, like yeah, along the river, uh, uh, west of Lu- west of Louisville. But anyway, she reportedly said that she would push for a law which would punish groups and individuals who try to help women leave Kentucky in order to get abortions. Here's the quote. As legislators, we're going to have to have the conversation of aiding and abetting. Those corporations aiding and abetting women to go out of the Commonwealth of Kentucky in order to have those abortions. It's really important for us to protect the life of our citizens, unquote. So that is that is what she said, that the language of aiding and abetting that is like typically used in like, you know, conspiracy type situations right. or like organized crime. Um, yeah, but like that is that is, I guess, the way that she views like helping a woman who faces no other choices get a plane ticket to New York or uh, gas money to get to Illinois or whatever. Um, that's how she thinks about it. Uh, that's that's really unfortunate. Um, another thing that was pushed for in, in this uh, policy conference is Josh Calloway, who's a state representative from Murray, I believe, or somewhere in western Kentucky if it's not Murray. And then Lizzie Tishner, again, a senator from um, you know our area, uh, eastern Jefferson County up to Oldham County. Um, they promised to revive a movement, a push for a constitutional movement, which would that constitu- constitutional amendment would itself push for school choice and charter schools. So, of course, charter schools are legal in Kentucky. There are none because nobody really wants to open one. Um, a, a main thrust of the amendment, though, would be making it possible for the state to fund private religious schools. You know, if somebody opts to send their child to Christian Academy or I guess a parochial school, I'm not exactly sure if parochial schools are included, but the money would then have to fund that private institution that, I mean, talk about indoctrination. Like they specifically have religion classes and they specifically talk about like their view of, of science and religion, which is yeah, not about educating. It's about indoctrinating. It's about teaching children that that viewpoint is true and is the only real one. Um, that bill, that constitutional amendment, was filed last year, but did not pass. Um, so, so we'll get back to this policy stuff in just a second. But apparently, uh, this is an interesting takeaway. Speakers at the conference called out Daniel Cameron for his softening on abortion. Now, has Daniel Cameron actually softened on abortion? No one knows because he changes his opinion, changes his stance. Yeah, he, he's flip-flopped, I believe, twice. Um, in the past couple of months. Um, but uh, a speaker standing up there with Nancy Tate and Adi Wichner, uh, you know, they uh, they had said, oh, by the way, Nancy Tate is, we already mentioned her, but Adi Wichner used to be a state representative. I don't even remember from where. I think it was like Northern Kentucky-ish. But she left the legislature to become um, one of the leaders in the anti-abortion movement, um, and, and that's kind of the job that she does now. So anyways, this lady who was up there with them said, quote, we're seeing some elected leaders who were staunchly pro-life before reading the polls or what they think the polls say, and some are watering down their views for political reasons, unquote. So not directly criticizing Daniel Cameron, but very clearly indirectly criticizing him there. Okay, so first and foremost, go read that whole article. It's in the Herald Leader. Go subscribe, you know, whatever. Pay the $5 or whatever to go see it um, or use one of your free articles from the month if you still have any. That It's worth it. It is good journalism. It's great reporting from, from um, Alex Aquisto there. But, Allison, my question uh, did we learn anything new? These are, of course, bills that are being rehashed, but, I mean, uh, in terms of focus or just what they're going to do, did we learn anything new from, from this this conference? I don't think we learned anything new as much as we were told the repeated same things that these people are just throwing down our throats that aren't working. Yeah. Like, what we saw last year with Amendment 2 is that Kentuckians don't want these people having control over anybody's body 
and their choice and their speech to do whatever they want. Like, it's just so bizarre to me. And if you look at like representative Callaway, for example, and uh, Tickner or Titchener, whatever on Twitter, they're constantly posting about anti-trans this, anti-trans that, anti-abortion this. And I'm like, do you people even do your jobs? Like they're just on Twitter constantly tweeting stuff and it's borderline like obsessive. And it's just so bizarre to me that we are still having these conversations in 2023 after all of the anti-abortion stuff that we went through last year and the results of the Amendment 2 ballot and seeing it play out in this governor's race, especially like I truly believe Governor Bashir is going to get pushed over the finish line because of this issue, mm-hmm. because he has been very open talking about the ads, for example, with Hadley and how Daniel Cameron supports not letting a 12 year old girl who has been raped by her stepfather and has been impregnated seek an abortion. And it's just it's so insane to me. It's so extreme. And Kentucky voters don't agree with that. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out especially in this election here in 28 days. Yeah, absolutely. I I do think that we might have learned a little bit about where the focus is going to lie in the next legislative session. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) you know, a lot of these bills didn't advance, right? The constitutional amendment did not make its way out of even committee. Um, you know, the the what was the other one the, the aiding and abetting bill? Aiding I, abetting, yeah. yeah, I don't know if that even got introduced, but it seems like that that's likely to move forward. One thing that is kind of notable is that, you know, I didn't see a lot of legislative leaders at this conference. I don't know if anybody in, in Republican leadership was there. Of course, the, the lieutenant governor candidate was there, but they basically had to scrape the bottom of the barrel to come up with a lieutenant governor right. candidate to start with. Um, so, you know, it is it, it is kind of interesting. To, I don't know if this conference conference tells us necessarily if any of these bills have a better chance next year but they do tell us what they're going to focus on especially the people who are aligned with the family oh, foundation yeah. so so you did kind of mention about like the amendment to vote and, and then also kind of about you know daniel cameron has kind of come back and he's seen some polling he's like maybe we should soften up on this a little bit do you think given everything that's happened around the abortion and trans issues uh, in in this year, since the last legislative session, do you think that the the prospect for these bills are any better or worse next year and the twenty twenty four session than they were in twenty twenty three? I think so. Back back up just a few spots when you made the comment about them digging the bottom of the barrel for <laughs> legislators. It's probably because Damon Thayer still thinks he's going to be ironing his tux to go to whatever inaugural ball or something he thinks a not happening governor daniel cameron's gonna be attending um that's my favorite joke punchline to have with um mr damon thayer there but there's a lot of good ones yeah it was the pure bottom of the barrel you're right so i don't know what all that's i don't know what that's gonna mean for this upcoming session in terms of leadership but it's gonna be interesting to see i think What's going to happen is Governor Bashir wins re-election and these state reps and senators are going to be mad and mm-hmm. they're going to, I'm fearful, file some of these bills again. Now, do I think some of them are going to pass? Not necessarily. More Like these more extreme ones, I don't think. Like I saw, I think, who was the representative? Was it Emily Calloway who introduced the bill to have a woman charged for murder? Yes. Yeah. Emily Calloway of Louisville. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so 
I think though, I mean, I think they'll get filed like every bill does, but I don't think they'll have much movement. But I do think a lot of these legislators are going to be really angry and yeah. upset that Governor Bashir wins again. And I, I do think we're going to see some of these bills get reintroduced. Yeah. And, and, and uh, my last question was going to be kind of about the prospects for the election on on these bills. Um, and, and you kind of answered that. But I, so I kind of want to switch gears and talk about that a little bit more to say, I think you're right. Like, I do think if Governor Bashir is reelected, they are going to be really furious and pushing really hard for these bills. And the question that I have is, I think Republican leadership is is pretty smart. They they saw that. I mean, <laughs> let's we're grading on a the curve. The bar here. is low, yeah, yeah, and we're grading on a curve. So low. they 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 are able to read the polls. They they were able to read the election results for things like Amendment Two. They saw they will have seen that Governor Bashir would have gotten reelected if that in fact happens, and they are going to say these issues are not working for us. We need right. to switch gears and find things that are going to work for us. And I think that they're going to push away from these things. But you have these true believers who are at this conference, Nancy Tate, Josh Calloway, Lindsey Titchener, Robbie Mills, who are in the legislature. And I have noticed over the past couple of sessions the ability of the leadership in uh, the Republican Party in the legislature has really loosened. They no longer have tight control over their caucus, and they cannot get the things that they want passed passed they they you know they cannot stand in the breach i mean you remember sb 150 this year which is a bill that we have talked a lot about on this show i -hmm. don't think leadership wanted to pass it in the way that it looked as it was passed they just couldn't stop these incredibly ideological hardcore right-wing people from making the bill as bad as it was so that is something i'm going to be watching really closely we now kind of have an idea about what the family foundation wants to do and now and, they're and, and they are and they and their power is only strong it's the strongest it's ever been and and so will what does it mean uh for the prospect for these bills what will it look like if governor Bashir is reelected? yeah th- that's kind of the main thing that that i'm i'm wondering as we move forward yeah when you mentioned you know the leadership and the inability to really control this part of the caucus, we're seeing this at the national level as well. <laughs> are we I ever? Mean, <laughs> I mean, are we ever? I mean, we just re- removed the Speaker of the House because eight members of the Freedom Caucus are were mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Him, essentially, like this is a state level issue and a national level issue that the Republican Party is really struggling with. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how that, you know, rolls into. A presidential yes. next year. Yeah. It's a, it's a Republican Party issue all the way up and down, as low as you want to go and as high as you want to go. You know, you oh, look, yeah. local parties, state parties across the country are all racked with this problem and it goes all the way up to the very top. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. All right. Yeah. So, Switching gears now. Yeah, that's enough. That's enough about the family family foundation policy conference. Yeah, we're done with that. All right, Uh, let's talk a little. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about these mailers. What do we need to know about them? So these mailers have been coming out recently. Um, I got one at my parents' address. It was addressed to the Wiseman household, and I was like, oh. And I saw at least they had like the trans flag colors correct on it. I will give them some credit. And I was looking at it and I was like, what is this? (laughs) And it was the first one had a picture of Governor Bashir on it. 
and then with a very poor Photoshop job done of his head on top of his body, might I add. And then the back of it was a picture of him with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence that has been shared a billion everywhere times everywhere yeah. to the point where it was on a poster at Fancy Farm, <laughs> just staring at the governor on stage. Um, so that was on the back, you know, talking about how he openly poses with this group. Um, it's the bunch of drag queens and how that's so scary and all this other stuff. So we got that mailer sent to our house where my parents live and where I'm registered to vote. Um, so that was fun. I was like, we have four registered Democrats in this house. Quit sending us your stuff. Um, so there's that mailer. And then a second mailer I saw that uh, someone had tweeted was a, I think it was Austin Horn who tweeted it from the Herald Leader. It featured a 10-year-old girl, like looking girl in a swimsuit next to a grown muscular like 30 year old man in a swimsuit so shirtless and it was saying that governor Bashir wants this little girl to swim against this man and that's not how that works in the slightest in fact no yeah yeah (laughs) um i know science is hard for some people to understand but that's not how that works and so it's just been really funny to see these ads and they mean these mailers that are going out now really hitting this anti-transnational talking point which we saw here with a fairness poll back in february doesn't sit with kentucky voters like and there was a really good herald leader story as well that i think alex wrote from the campaign trail in eastern kentucky a couple weeks ago where a republican uh, man was interviewed who has a trans i believe grandson and talked about how this issue is personal to him mm-hmm. and how it's he's tired of hearing about it because yeah. it doesn't impact you, but it does impact him and his family. And he's open and learning and trying to be better about it. And these attacks are impacting him directly. Yeah. And this is something that's setting with voter Republican voters this base in a way that people are really fed up with it and just irritated. Yeah. By it. It, it is kind of wild, you know. Jerry Miller, who's a state representative from Louisville for a very long, very, very long time. Like he served for a very long time. He did a lot of very Republican things for very, you know, for the entire time he was in office. Uh, yeah. He was one of the leaders in uh, the the push for, you know, school choice or whatever they want to call it. Charter schools or whatever really was pushing hard for that 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 issue. Um, but, you know, ha- came forward and talked about his trans grandchild. I, and I really wonder who Jerry Miller is going to vote for for governor. Like, I really legitimately right. wonder about that, right? Because, I mean, that's his nemesis. It's like Governor Bashir is somebody who he has sparred with when he was attorney general, when Andy Bashir was attorney general, and when he was governor. And yet he's looking at either voting for Governor Bashir or Daniel Cameron, who openly, clearly has a huge problem with his grandchild right. for nothing that is like the fault of the, the grandkid just wants to live. Right. And that's, right. that's like not what Daniel Cameron is, is wanting, wanting to do here. Yeah. And, and just with, I mean, Republican mailers, the Democrats are not super blameless here. I do think we're better, but Republican mailers are just some of the most disgusting and vile oh, things. Horrible. And in like, and it's just, it's just the most uh, like they, they, 
play fast and loose with the truth. They the graphics are typically disgusting and borderline like pornographic sometimes. I mean, ten year olds in swimsuits or whatever, and it's just like it's it's just. I, I really hope it turns people off. You know, they they. I, I don't know if how it works. I I think it's different from year to year, but I do feel like this isn't working like, like what like it's supposed to. So right, I, especially here in Kentucky where trans youth is like two thousand people. Yeah, out of our state population, it's like point oh two percent if that mm-hmm. and so this topic it doesn't impact a bunch of people and people are just they're sick of it like yeah. i talk to when i door knock i door knock almost every week on saturday or sunday um depending on what time L's playing football <laughs> um and i've talked to quite a few republican voters who will bring it up and i'll explain you know the, the makeup and the state of it I will also talk about, so they bring up the veto of 150. Governor Bashir couldn't line item veto that bill. And people don't understand that. So he had to veto the whole thing. And so that talking point about that is wrong because he doesn't support, you know, minor sex surgeries and changes. No one does it and they don't happen. And so when I bring that point up and like really talk to these people about it, they're like, oh, well, that doesn't impact me at all. Yeah, it's and and you you know you, you talk. You, this is also like governing with nuance is so hard, the, especially right. these days because you know you talk about sex change for minors. Who is it that qualifies? Like you know, even under the old regime before we had to you know come out to say that we were all opposed to it and everything. Like you talk about two thousand trans youth. It's like five six kids that that may qualify for surgery because they're like they're clearly a a risk to themselves and others if if you know if we don't move forward with this um and and that's that's the kids who qualify it is literally like a tiny it's like you can count them on one hand and that's who are like making these huge laws about that impact the rest of all the trans youth and what they want to have impact all of the rest of the trans population and extending it further let's not put any blinders on what they want to use to legislate against the entire lgbt community about about this like small handful of children and and then you know that also gets to the sports thing where you know the khsa and and the NCAA and a lot of the intercollegiate and and you know uh, amateur athletics association came out with these extremely nuanced very uh you know researched thought out rules about how trans athletes could compete and there's like measurements that you have to subject yourself to for like testosterone levels or estrogen levels or whatever and and they're like okay if you meet these criteria you can compete in the 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 gender that uh, of you know in in the gender that that you identify as and that just gets like completely washed out to be like no governor Bashir wants this 10 year old child to race against this 30 year old man which is just it's just false and it's just like you know you it's just so difficult to bring any nuance to anything it is it's, all right yeah yeah it's yeah. a lot it is are we frustrated enough with this one to move on now too yeah <laughs> all right so do you, i know so my parents were they're in the east end so it's a pretty purple area so we get mailers from both but you're in the more liberal friendly beautiful <laughs> highlands area so do you all get rpk mailers or anybody sent your way ever yeah. like do you see this side of the world that we see yeah i mean i do i i haven't this year i do typically 
Um, and it depends on how big they want to make their universe, of course. But, uh-huh. you know, my parents live in Middletown, which is, you know, a very purple area. Uh, right. When I was growing up, um, I was canvassing for candidates who were getting 25% of the vote. Now it's, like, very split, right? So that's... Yeah, it's pretty split. Yeah, so so I definitely see the mailers when I go to their house. I have not seen those yet, though. I have not been there in a week or so, so maybe they came this week. Who knows? They might be there now because the, they, both they, RPK ones were out this week. They, they so. may. All right, let's do these quick hits. Uh, first of all, the Kentucky legislature passed a bill that significantly curtailed the ability of JCPS, uh, the JCPS school board to operate. The things it did were as it like restricted them to one meeting per month. It moved several responsibilities for the board and superintendent. Um, JCPS has been in the process of suing over this bill, over this law, since it passed. And an appeals court ruled that the law was what's called special legislation. So the way they wrote the law was like any any school district that has more than 500,000 kids or whatever, like really large number that literally only applies to JCPS. Right. And and that's not allowed. You're not allowed to single out a, a specific group for, for targeting. That's called special legislation. It's against the Constitution. And um, and, and the, the appeals court was like, yes, very clearly it's this. And then the other thing is Daniel Cameron's office, the AG's office, said that the JCPS shouldn't have standing to sue. Um, which the uh, the the appeals court said yes they very clearly have standing to sue they they have experienced a harm uh, yada yada so this lawsuit is headed to the Supreme Court I mean these things seem true on their face I don't I think as long as we're dealing uh, above board with with fair judges which most of the people on the Supreme Court are uh, this one will be headed to the trash can but we we will see of course stranger things have happened um, I have trouble talking about legal things without Jasmine we got two politics people on here now so um, hopefully we didn't <laughs> screw it up too bad yeah, I don't know much legal stuff but I do know the Republican Party of Kentucky going after JCPS never ends in their it, favor. It never I'll ceases. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, updating a case we've been following for, you know, forever. Uh, the Crystal Rogers case, which, you know, pick your true crime podcast TV show of your choice. There's a full explainer about that case going on. Um, in that case, which, you know, has had some movement recently with the FBI and, and local law enforcement arresting Brooks Hawk. Um, he was arrested. He was given a bond of $10 million. A judge denied a request to lower that bail. Um, that's a really high bond. Um, it's also an extremely high profile case. You know, cash bail has gotten a lot of attention recently. It is another thing to draw attention to that maybe. But, uh, yeah, if we're going to have it, um, he's probably the person that you want to have it for. So there you go. Yeah, he. Um, I highly recommend everyone listening to the podcast Bardstown. Yeah, <laughs> we, we had Shane McAllister on to talk about that. If you want to go back and listen to that show. Uh, it is. Yeah. This case, for a long time, I never really cared about it because there wasn't much going on. Yeah. And then the past, I would say, what, two years, roughly, it's really picked up with the remains being found and the, all this other stuff. And now when this happened, it's going to be... Interesting. And I really want to uh, shout out all the local reporters who've been doing a really good job covering the case and the judge and the courts with it. Like it's been really well, well covered. Yeah. And and, and that that's exactly right. I did say like, pick your, pick your favorite true crime podcast, but that one Bardstown was produced and and put together by Shane McAllister, who's a television reporter here in Louisville. She works for WHAS or she did at the time. I think she still does. Um, So that Mm -hmm. one's definitely a good one to check out. Also, you can listen to the mile Kentucky podcast interview with Shane McAllister. So you should, you can go back, back, do that if you want to. Yep. 
Okay, uh, the United States House of Representatives is a huge mess. We alluded to this a second ago. Um, Speaker Kevin McCarthy was removed from his position, and nobody really knows what's going to happen next. I guess they convene tomorrow to, like, pick somebody. Um, I guess. Ron DeSantis, who no one knows how to pronounce his name, including him. Ron DeSantis or Ron DeSantis, no one knows. Um, he's Ooh. he's running for president, um, but is losing uh, and is going in the wrong direction. Um, he was giving an interview about this and was asked to suggest people to uh, run for speaker. And one of the names he came up with, one of the two names he came up with, was none other than Thomas Massey. Now, Allison, I can't think of a worse <laughs> person to be the speaker of the house. Can you think of anyone worse? I don't know. There's a lot of pretty bad names up there. Are any but... of them worse than Thomas Massey? I don't know. Um... I mean, you got Marjorie Taylor Greene up there. I would rather have Marjorie Taylor Greene in the speakership than Thomas Massey. I mean, Thomas Massey just likes to say no to absolutely everything. So nothing would ever get done. I don't know why Ron DeSantis suggested that. Um, But it's so funny. Over the weekend, I was walking in a parade with Congressman McGarvey. And I was like, work seemed fun this week <laughs> and he just kind of laughed and was like you have no idea and i was like nope i don't and i don't want to know about it i was like from the tv looks like you were having a bunch of fun i was waiting for your roll call vote to come on the tv but it's alphabetical order and you're an m so it takes like an hour to get to you yeah so many people during but the it's a mess. yeah during the original vote for speaker which of course went like 20 ballots or whatever it went uh yeah you know i i, I sent him a message that was just don't vote for mccarthy and he didn't respond for like three weeks and he goes i didn't but he became speaker anyway but you know no more <laughs> yeah, no he more ultimately he loses over the weekend he goes i have voted more times for speaker of the house than john yarmouth did that's true absolutely true yeah absolutely and i was like well, when you put it that way, and he said that he thinks Harold Rogers will hold hold the record for the most speaker votes. That's probably ever. right. Yeah, maybe ever. That's true. That's but crazy. It was, it's crazy. I was like, Morgan, you've casted more votes in ten months. Yeah. Than Yarmouth did in years. Yeah, like ten, ten plus years. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, that's crazy. So wow what a mess what yeah what a mess you know it's just what a mess. and and like we mentioned before it's a republican party mess and they really gotta do something it's a mess. About yeah and for me i'm more worried about you know the ongoing conflict over with israel and palestine and the middle east right now we don't have a speaker yeah and so to, we can't bring any aid bill or anything. Any yeah, we can't do we can't do anything. And I mean, of course, they the reason this all started was because we passed a bill to fund the government, but it was only for forty five days. And now right. we have we have uh, a crisis on two continents. We have the the another conflict in Israel Palestine, which I mean requires debate. We have to think about what to do. And there's you know there's an right. important debate to have there. And then also the the conflict in the Ukraine or in Ukraine, where yeah. you know of course that's that's been ongoing. And, and of course you know we've the United States have been very supportive there and you know we have to continue that if we you know if we want to support uh, you know right. th- that struggle and then also just to fund the government we got a lot to do the, and there's so much to do we don't have any time to do we, it here we don't have the gang of eight we have the gang of seven now yeah, we and have it's yeah bad it's it it is it's bad well let's hope they get it together 
uh, vote for Hakeem <laughs> Jeffries. That's what they should Fingers do. Fingers crossed. Yeah. All right. And then the last quick hit, which, um, you know, not often do we get to end on a high note, but this is interesting, right? So a, a few polls have come out in the governor's race. First, uh, a club for growth poll that showed Governor Bashir leading by six six points. I think it was 48 to 42, I think is what it was. Um, this poll definitely qualifies as a Republican internal poll using most metrics. Club for Growth is associated with the Republican Party. I don't know if they were working directly for a candidate, but they're a Republican right-leaning leaning group. And typically, you know, when not to say that they're bad polls, but typically you have like six or seven different ways to look at it. And, you know, yeah. whenever it's in a, a public poll, they're like, here's our three or four different ways that we think are the best. When it's an internal poll, it's like, here's the one that looks best for our guy. Um, and it is a six-point lead for Governor Bashir for a Republican independent poll, uh, a, a Republican-leaning poll. Then, later on in the week, or I guess a, about a week or two later, a different independent poll was released by Emerson College. Now, Emerson College has never worked in Kentucky before, but they're very highly rated. They have like an A- minus rating on 538, mm-hmm. which is among the, the best ratings that you can have. Um, again, they're new to Kentucky, and that might make a difference, but this poll showed Andy Bajir leading by 16 points, uh, 49 to 33%. That is absolutely crazy no poll that i have seen has shown daniel cameron with any lead at all um but there is a b- very broad breadth of different kinds of leads for andy Bashir. so uh, i mean allison you know you said you're working really hard um and, and and you know i know that you're 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 feeling the way that you're feeling how are you feeling about the race how are you feeling about all this polling what do you think it means for us i mean first of all if andy Bashir wins by 16 points <laughs> wow I don't know what I'm going to do. I do know I'm going to be fairly feral on Twitter. Um, but I don't know what I would, I don't know what I would do if on election night it gets called at like what? So the polls close at six, six Eastern. Yeah. So seven Eastern technically, cause you have central time zone. Um, if that poll, if that race gets called at like seven fifteen, there's what it would just be so crazy. Um, so when I saw that poll, I mean, my heart skipped a beat, but I think the reality of it is, I think we all know the reality of that. It's not going to happen. It'd be great if it did. Um, but when I'm in the field, like on the doors at events, talking to people, people are really excited about governor Bashir, especially Republicans. I mean, on Saturday night at the U of L game, the four guys in the row that I was sitting in right in front of my parents, all looked at me in the middle of the U of L game. Keep in mind, I don't even know how this got brought up, but because you were there, I think probably because they all know me. <laughs> all turned and looked at me like in the middle of beating Notre Dame at prime time, and goes, "Just FYI, we're all four Republicans, but we're voting for Andy Bashir again." And there I was like, go. "I was like, what is happening?" I feel even better um, about this this beat down of Notre Dame. Yeah, right, beating Notre Dame. Andy Bashir is getting support from U of L Republican fans. Great, um, but that's something I hear a lot in the field at U of L games, at the state fair, especially at the Kentucky Democratic Party booth. Mm-hmm. So many Republicans come up, and they always start with saying well, they're a Republican. You're like, oh, where's this going to go? <laughs> which which route are we taking here? Um, and they all say that they appreciate. Governor Bashir, mm-hmm. and that they are voting for him either again, because they did in 19 as well, or for the first time because of his handling of COVID or the floods or the tornadoes or 
any other catastrophic event that has taken place while he has been governor. Yeah. And it's been really exciting to see. Um, I think the Cameron campaign is in denial of the fact that so many of their voters are going to break off from them because they just think Governor Bashir's a good guy because he is. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see. I think at the end of the day, Governor Bashir wins. I mean, that's my bias there. But just I, I comfortably would say, you know, a couple points. I think it'll be more than the 5,000 votes in 19 um, because the ground game that they're doing is just insane. Like yeah. they've knocked so many doors and have so many volunteers signed up all the time. It's nuts. Yeah. The the, the so question the, the question I kind of have is like, you know, all of the things you mentioned about being in the field and at, you know, the UofL football game, the, those are all happening in Jefferson County, um, which is, of yeah. course, like Andy Bashir's like bread and butter. He wanted to buy 100,000 right. votes in, in, in 2019. Right. Um, what does it look like? I think it's likely he's going to expand that to be even bigger. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is and, and And I think that it will, like, and I think that the growth will be even more in Fayette County. Like, you know, I think he pulled, uh, I was like 30 or 40,000 votes in, in Fayette County. I think that will the growth will be even more in Fayette County than mm -hmm. it is in Jefferson County. And Franklin County. And it will be interesting to see where he, how he does in, like, the other places that he won. Does he continue to win places like Knott County? Does he continue to win right. in those places in, down in Southeast Kentucky that have a lot of in, ancestral Democratic right. roots? Um, or are those places going to get even more Republican? And, and so, right. I, you know, th those are the big open questions that I have. All of the big polling seems to point to the fact that, like, you know, it seems like Governor Bashir is in a stronger position now than he was before. The polling mm -hmm. was mostly correct in 2019. The last poll we saw was it was a dead even um, split, um, which is exactly what we ended up having with a 5000 vote tilt right. to, to Governor Bashir. Um, it, it, we, it will be, it will be very interesting to see how this goes. That 16 point lead did show like 48 to 33, which tells me they weren't pushing leaners. And what that tells yeah. me is that there's a lot of soft support for Daniel Cameron out there. Um, you know, Andy Bashir's number wasn't that much different. It was 48 and it w in the previous poll and it was, uh, the, you know, the, the, the club for growth poll and it was 49% in the Emerson college poll, but Andy, but, uh, you know, Daniel Cameron's number was 40% or 42% in the club for growth poll and 33% in the Emerson college poll. So that tells me that there's a lot of soft support for Daniel Cameron. And if we do the work, if we actually get out into the field and talk to people and do the campaign work, it could end up being a pretty big victory and it could, and that that's pass. Yeah. It's definitely possible, it's possible to have that happen now. And you know, Steve Bashir won by 20 points in 2011. That's something yeah. people, uh, that, that seems like ancient history at this point. Um, but, but it is something that yeah. has happened. I also see a, a possible future where, where Daniel Cameron wins. I mean, Donald Trump won and all the polling looked almost exactly like this for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Um, so, so we can't discount that as a possibility. I, I, I think it's, it's, uh, Andy Bashir has a good chance to win. Um, but, but it's not, it's not locked up for sure. So, you know, get out there, knock a door, uh, talk to your friends, talk to your mom's friends. If you got all the Democratic friends, uh, you know, do whatever you got to like, go to church, talk to the folks there, go go to wherever, wherever you see people, talk to them um, and, and make sure they're going to get out and vote. All right, Allison. Yeah, I also say there's one last thing, you know, something that's been really interesting in the polling data to me is the very stark contrast between people who support Governor Bashir but who don't like President Biden, Yes, but still really like Governor Bashir. That, to me, gives me positive light and 
shining. In, in a weird way, right? Because you want more people to support brain. President Biden. <laughs> right. And it's like, so to me, like, if there's really this big of a difference. It's probably real. People, it's yeah. probably real. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I think a lot of, like, I think, like I said, I think Governor Bashir wins re-election. Woohoo! Um, and I think, you know, this polling, if it's accurate like it was, you know, in 19, I just moved to Kentucky. So I wasn't fully in the weeds yet. But... I think it'll be really interesting to see these results and then just compare it again to the 95% chance that we're going to get a Trump Biden again Yeah, and see, you know, how big of a difference yeah. it is that people really like Governor Bashir. I mean, they just like him. They do. So there you go. Interesting. All right. Allison Wiseman, it's been great. And we'll, we have two more weeks to, to, to chop it up like this. I can't wait. All right. Well, <laughs> everybody that's listening, get ready to our listen to our interview with Kim Reader. Kimberly Reader is the Democratic candidate for auditor. Originally from Rowan County, she is a tax attorney and teacher. A graduate of Yale, Duke, and the University of North Carolina, she was recognized in 2011 as one of the top 10 tax attorneys in the whole country. In 2014, she returned to Kentucky to care for her dying mother and then stayed in Kentucky after her mother's passing. She brings an immense amount of experience to this race as well as a tremendous story. So, Kim Reader, welcome to my old Kentucky podcast. Really excited that you're here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that story is remarkable and your, your background is really incredible. So, I mean, just tell us, you know, what in the world are you doing here in 2023 deciding that now is the time that you want to run and you want to run for auditor of public accounts? Well, I guess just why auditor is the, is the I'll start with that question. It's, it's just that my background as a as a tax lawyer is uniquely suited for this job. It's not just any job that I'm seeking to get. It's this job. And it's that the the fit is a really uh, appropriate fit. Uh, I'm I'm not a, a career politician, certainly. I, it's hard. I guess the I guess I'm running for office. So I guess I am a politician in that regard. But I'm I'm a I've always been a substantive person and I'm attracted to the substance of the auditor's office. And why now? You know, I, as you mentioned, I was a teacher. I taught at Brown County High School and coached the speech and debate team and taught in the Governor's Scholars Program and for a while at Holmes High School. And I really cared about my students a lot. I cared about them. I cared about their families. And I knew I had these skills that were really valuable in the marketplace and I I could help more. I could reach more people and help more people uh, if I expanded my reach and used those skills. So that's why I decided to run. Definitely a good answer. First of all, go Vikings, Round County. You know, sixteenth yes. region, uh, right? Absolutely, yes. absolutely. So uh, that, yeah, that my, my my wife is from the area, so you know that's a big rival for okay. her high school. But I'll say go Vikings. Hopefully, she doesn't listen. Uh, uh, but you know, you did mention about how your background is, uh, you know, well suited for this job, and and you know. We've got these these positions on the ballot, you know, where sometimes people are just like, ah, oh, OK, uh, so tell us, you know, yeah. for the people who don't know who might be listening, what is the auditor of public accounts and what is exactly that the office does and why are you so well suited to do the job? That's actually something that I 
feel like I talk about a lot is explaining the relevance of the auditor's office. So what the auditor does is acts as an independent and disinterested party uh, shining a light on financial transactions, on accounts within state government, uh, making sure that um, money is, as, as it was allocated, is spent in the way that it was intended to be spent and that everyone follows the rules. And to some degree, uh, you, you could even think of an audit, an auditor is like a detective, really. If you think of the, if you think of, you know, the, the a legal case, for example, the auditor is the investigator <laughs> on the, you know, that that's, providing all of the information, right, to uh, to evaluate whether rules were followed. And my background is well suited for that because, you know, as a tax lawyer, I was involved in many, many audits. And so I understand not only digging into details and being burdened by details myself, but also leading other people to do that uh, analysis. And, you know, when my clients came to me and, and asked me to uh, evaluate an issue, I I had to, it, they were looking for an independent analysis. They were looking for what I really thought <laughs> and my, with all of my, my substantive skills. They wanted to know what I really thought the answer was. And so I, I think that those skills do line up very well with the auditor's office. Yeah, for sure. I'm really excited about your campaign. I mean, as you know, I see you everywhere out on the trail and I think I love hearing your story and love hearing what all the auditor does and why it's such an important race. Because as Robert said, you know, down the ballot, farther you go, you're like, I don't know what this means to vote for. So it's been really fascinating to get to know you on the trail and hear what all the auditor does, Mm because it really is an important, you know, office that we have here in Kentucky. And so piggybacking off of that, you know, running for office as a Democrat has been pretty tough recently here in Kentucky. And Rowan County is one of the places in the state that was extremely Democratic, even just a few years ago, and is now pretty solidly Republican. And you decided to run for office as a Democrat. So thank you. Knowing all of this, what is it that makes you a Democrat? Or why are you proud to be a Democrat on the ballot? When I was growing up, I I thought of my notion of Democrats was that it was the party of the working people. And that's, you know, I, my, my parents were working people, our families, um, our friends. And, and that's, so that's where that notion originated. Now I see Democrats as a party of inclusiveness. Um, you know, we do to care about all people that just, that makes it, that makes it easy <laughs> to care about all people, uh, especially um, the, the more and the more vulnerable uh, the person, we care more because that seems m- more fair. Um, so, so that's the that's why I'm I'm a Democrat, and I guess where that co- would come out, for example, uh, with the auditor, one issue that I've been very interested in, and you probably heard me talk about Allison, is the the way the one thing the auditor can do to make it tangible. So what are these financial you know, transactions? What is this? And so one specific example is looking at the way state funding for public education is allocated to school districts, right? So the auditor could examine whether the those 
that allocation formula. It's, it's called the SEEK formula, right? whether those amounts are being um, allocated in compliance with all the laws, including are they adequate? Are they uh, equitable vis-a-vis -vis each other? Um, there's a 1989 Supreme Court case that, you know, we, we know sets up uh, standards for that, that was the basis for education reform in Kentucky in the early 90s. Um, they're more basic issues such as transportation funding, uh, there's a statute that says that 100% of the cost of getting students to and from school should be covered um, by the state. And we know that that's, that's not happening now. So th those, are, those are issues that the auditor could shine a light on. That's what the auditor does. The auditor shows the people how their money's being spent. So then the, the, there can be referrals made to other offices, but also just to give the people the ability to see. So honestly, at a very idealistic level to be able to have faith in their government. Yeah, it's, you know, the whole th thing about the transportation funding has obviously been a hot button issue here. As it always and, is. Yeah. As it always is, but specifically this school year. And I think it's really important for people to understand that and that statute that you talked about, because it is required, but it hasn't happened in years, decades almost. And that's why we have such an adequate transportation system right now in JCPS and, and other school districts throughout right. Kentucky. Cause so it, and that is, it's that not is, just JCPS. I know that's a, that's a good point. I mean, I could, you know, rattle up, um, um, the, just that reports that I've heard read right in, in news outlets, um, Shelby bullet, Jessamine mm -hmm. Clark, just a few off the top of my head, uh, that also had uh, issues with school bus driver, shortages and, you know, and, and, you know, and the thing about, it's interesting, the, that whole education, I find that education reform movement in 1989 in the early nineties, I think it's really terrific. I remember my mother called me when I was in college to tell me about that case because she, she thought, you know, she was not a lawyer, <laughs> but she right. thought that case was really important. And uh, Kentucky really led the way with that education reform case. And the trans so back to the transportation funding, my understanding of why the, the common sense explanation for why transportation is funded 100% is because you have to get the kids to school, right? You have to get them there before you can worry about any other aspect of educating them. Right. And so if you, that's, that's why that statute originated. That was the, the underlying basis. It's my understanding. So you've witnessed as a Eastern Kentucky native, this big political change that's taken place out in Eastern Kentucky over the years. And you have some ancestral Dems still that are out there. They might be a little hidden, but they are out there. And so what do you think Democrats need to do to win in places like Rowan County and keep the ancest ancestral base, but also bring new people into the mold? Okay. Well, this is my answer in so far as people. Okay? And this could be with teaching. This could be with, this could be, have been with my clients when I was practicing tax full time. And I, I apply this same philosophy to voters, <laughs> People like to be seen. They like to feel heard. 
they they like authenticity. They who as a human being doesn't like feeling cared about. And so, you know, one of the symbolically, one of the things we've been working on is getting to all 120 counties, which is a, you know, in some ways, as if you're talking about, you know, reaching a maximum number of people, that's probably, you know, uh, not that may not be the most effective. However, there's a there's a symbolism there. Getting getting to each county, being able to um, to to meet even a few people in each county. Uh, that you know, there's there's something I don't know. Burke Combs. I just read a, a quote of uh, former Governor Burke Combs recently. And he talked about how Kentuckians, how we often per, we we pursue the unusual, or we're not, you know, we don't, we don't, we have romantic notions, romantic idealistic notions, and I, I really loved that characterization of Kentuckians, and and so you know this this idea of well, someone cared enough to show up and see me. I've heard that probably five hundred times in my in my lifetime in different contexts. So I, I think that's you you forge authentic bonds. That's how you reach human beings, period. And that's that's what we've tried to do. I agree. And I think that's what makes our party pretty special is that I see us in all of our counties that we're all located in and at events and candidates really go out of our way to really try and make those connections. And I think in the long run that does help and that does stick with voters like you mentioned. So all throughout the cycle, you've talked with me on the trail and with others about how important it is to you that your campaign focuses on supporting young Kentuckians, whether that be on your staff, recognizing us in crowds, uplifting yeah. us, et cetera. Why have you made this such a priority in this race and what inspired you to do this? Yeah, well, so I have a daughter who's 21. Her name is Ansley. And you know, one obvious answer is that I love her very much, of course. I, I loved my, I love my students, my, my students, you know, they, they were so inspiring to me. I can think of so many projects in when I was teaching at Governor Scholars or as part of the speech team or actually in any teaching context. And every time I would relinquish, you know, some of my, uh, give away some of my power, right, over the class to share and, and have a more collaborative atmosphere. Every time we would come up with ideas and projects and discussions that were so much better <laughs> than what, you know, I had if I'd planned everything on my own. And I, I just, I'm, it's the hope that I, I feel and see in young people. It's, it's very energizing to me. It's very, it, it feel, you know, it feels good to me. It, it and those, I, I, love the idea of you know creating leaving planting seeds and and you know letting and you just don't know what happens with you know with the encouragement that you've given what a wonderful what a wonderful thing to think about that's that's why i really enjoy working with young people is because that's how it feels to me is it feels so hopeful and it feels so energizing um, no, yeah, that's a really, really good answer. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think I remember when I was a young Democrat, and 
uh, I miss those days, right? I miss like how <laughs> I felt at the time. And, you know, I always like look at younger people uh, and, you know, as is like, you know, that's absolutely like where where the inner like you mentioned, the energy comes from. Also, whenever yeah. whenever anyone mentions uh, Burt Combs, I always have to say everyone should read Divide and Descent. John Ed Pierce it's a book about Kentucky politics from the 30s through the 60s. There's a Kindle version now. There wasn't like a year ago. So, you know, everybody should check that. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't read it. Uh, Kim Reader, you should, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of driving on the campaign trail, a lot of waiting around, so it's a good, good one to check. Yeah. Good one to check That's out if you have fair it. Point. Yeah, absolutely. Fair point. My favorite, my favorite Burt Combs quote is when he took on the Rose case, the 1989. Uh, right. He case. right. That's right. He was the lawyer. Right. Absolutely. No, he was. He took it on pro bono when yeah. he was a named partner in the firm at Wyatt Tarrant and Combs. Right. And. He is. He, he describes what he had to do in that case was to sue the governor and the legislature. And what he said was he needed to take as a named partner and in this large law firm, he needed to take on this case and sue the governor and the legislature like a hog needs a side saddle. There's a there's a lot of good ones. I mean, he's a good a good Eastern <laughs> Kentucky Democrat from way back, yeah. Uh, yeah. who fought with other you know Central Kentucky Democrats from way back. Great great stories, great stories for sure. Yes. Uh, and yeah, the the Rose case being I mean another really great uh, piece of Kentucky history for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So back to your race. Uh, this this is your first race for right. You've never yes. run for public office before, um, and it's it's statewide. You're running in the whole state, all the way from you know. Uh, Pikeville to Paducah or Ashland to Fulton or, you know, whatever it is, like Covington down to right. Somerset, whatever, Corbin, whatever. Um, you know, y- you you have to have learned so much uh, about Kentucky and, and about yourself and about the politics in the state. So tell us just a little uh, a little bit, any story that you have to, to tell us about about the race so far where you've learned something or, or just something about Kentucky that you didn't know before you started this this process. You know, I... I always, I, I'm, I'm so proud of the physical beauty of our Commonwealth. That's always been something I've been proud of, but I didn't realize the range, uh, especially of the topography, right? I, and I, when we were especially doing this swing, we were in our 1993 RV doing this swing through Western Kentucky and getting down into um, Fulton, you know, Hickman, Carlisle, Ballard, uh, those those counties, the the uh, topography there, it's so interesting. You know, it's beautiful, beautiful, and but so different from say where I'm from in in Round County or or in Central Kentucky. And I just really love the notion that or or the um, the lakes, you know, down in say um, Lyon County. Trailer. Yeah. 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 You know, that those are that those it, that's a whole different that reminded me of kind of like going out into the when you go into the Outer Banks, you know, that the big bridge going into the Outer Banks, but all so beautiful and so diverse. I, I just it's uh, that's the the thing that's blown my mind. I think the other thing I've I've really loved is the, the you know, the people that's trite, but boy, we have great people, just really great people. I was in, we were Muhlenberg County last night and 
uh, someone there, we were having issues with our generator when we were going through Western Kentucky. We didn't have air conditioning and, and someone was helping us trying to, my brother, not me, I won't, I won't fib and say it was me. <laughs> it was my brother who's a, an incredible mechanic, but they were trying to help him, you know, fix the problem with the generator. We just have such great human beings. Yeah. Know? over Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Muhlenberg County, one of my favorite places. Hopefully you're in yeah. Greenville or Central City. You know, they got two cities there. Uh, it's really, really cool spot down there. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and yes, I, I, I think that those are all great answers. I also appreciate you mentioning our, our Mississippi River counties. I think of the Ohio yes. most of the time when I think about rivers in Kentucky. But we do yes. have those four counties that touch the Mississippi, and that does make a big difference. It's very different looking yes. in those places than a lot of yes. our Ohio River counties. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, okay, another question I've been asking a lot of the folks who've been running for the the constitutional offices this year it's like when you run in these races like the the governor's race just sucks up like all the oxygen and that's not really anybody's fault it's just the most important race on the ballot you know it's the top of the ticket um but you know it is a struggle to kind of differ i mean in in however ways you want to differentiate or accentuate you know the race that you're trying to run to talk about the auditor's office and what you're doing so tell us a little bit about how you're trying to do that how are you kind of like making your own mark on this race this is the first time in this is you. I, I didn't speak to earlier. One of the, you ask about my own lessons I'd learned or growth experience. This has been an incredible growth experience for me because it's the first time I think in my life that something is so big and so I, I and I, I only have a little bit of control over, over pieces of it. I don't have a lot of control. Right. And so it, it's the first time I've, really had to just be get myself okay with the notion that I that we work hard we put together a a good team which by the way has included former students former students and and retired teachers and so we put together an energetic team and we we try to be creative you know we've we've done what I think are really cute TikTok. <laughs> we, we've, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of came up with this idea of the, you know, 120 county tour in our 1993 RV that, you know, might have a little bit of a resemblance to the Breaking Bad RV, but only in, you know, external appearance. It's, and so we've, we've baked cookies that we stamp our logo on. We're, we're just trying to to be authentic. And so I, I think that's that's the greatest growth experience for me is, you know, we you show up, you try to be your authentic self, and that's enough, or it isn't enough. And maybe and, and it's not your fault if it's, you know, uh, because a lot so much is out of your control. And so that's the that's the greatest growth experience I'll walk away from this with. Yeah, I I think that that's great. I really do think that that's great. And it's a great perspective to have because like that's absolutely the case. And it is so important to have good people running for these offices. Uh, and, and without that perspective, it just kind of falls apart on you, right? I, th- I just think like, you know, it's just really hard to get to get good folks to run for things like auditor without that sort of perspective. Uh, you kind of talked around this a little bit uh, already, but but it is something that's kind of unique. I mean, in kind of recent history, it's a little bit more common. You know, if you go back to the, the defied and dissent days that I was talking about, but the Democrats are putting up a pretty united front. You know, you guys are doing a lot of stuff together. I've seen you guys 
guys kind of kind of you know work together quite a bit. Uh, and and you know I'm I'm interested. Tell us a little bit about uh, the slate that you're a part of and and how you feel about the Democrats' chances in general this year. Well, we it is a pretty good slate. <laughs> it's an extremely extremely qualified. Uh, ext- just really what I the way I think of it is really good professionals. If, if you're looking at the substance, and again, I, I like substance, and the substance of, of all of these, of each individual, of each person on the slate, uh, just each of them is incredibly qualified uh, to do the job they're running to do. And so I, and, and so rather than, you know, it's a, it's, it is a, nice distinguishing point, not getting bogged down in um, I- issues outside the job, especially in those down ballot constitutional offices, the, n- not the, the um, trappings, not the, the hot button issues. It's the job doing the work. And that's, that to me is just as a voter, because I'm, I'm a voter too. <laughs> that that's very refreshing. That is a very refreshing notion. Just how how would this prefer person perform in the job? And so I and what I feel, you know, it's hard it's hard to know, but I I, I feel great energy. It, we've been in 89 counties so far, and we'll we'll get to the other 31. And but everywhere, this energy is just uh, seems infectious to me. It's, and I, I can't compare, you know, I've, I've not done this before, so I can't compare it to anything for you, but I can tell you, I know energy. <laughs> I know good energy. I know, uh, I know hope. I know hope when I see it. And, and that's what I'm feeling. That's, I, I, I hear it, uh, talking to young people. I, you know, who are knocking doors. I, I hear it with uh, retired uh, retired teachers, other people who are retired who are getting involved in various ways. I I just feel a lot of energy, and who knows what happens. Yeah, we're so we're officially twenty eight days out, four weeks from now, right? Oh Lord! Ooh. So in these final we can make days, it. Right, we can make we it. We can make it in these <laughs> final twenty eight days. What can listeners do to get involved on your campaign? Well, uh, of course, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be a good candidate if I didn't say that you know it's it's expensive to put gas in the RV. To, to drive to county. Oh, so. I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys, yeah, they're pretty big. Uh, so, you know, uh, we, our website is www.kim4kentucky, all spelled out, .com. And of course, uh, financial contributions are always welcome. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing a, a blitz soon where, with volunteers delivering some yard signs. We are going to have some yard signs. We have materials. We can, if you're, we're, we are working on, we're trying to maybe put together a, a, a limited, but a canvassing activity and maybe a few of the counties around Rowan and a few just, you know, cause that's, that's my home. So yeah. we're, yeah. And you can, and you can reach us at, uh, contact at kimforkentucky.com if if you want to get involved 
we, uh, you know, it's it's great to hear from it's great to hear from people. I I had we got a note today from someone we met in Muhlenberg County last night who told me I I looked like someone in a music video, so he made sure he sent me the <laughs> the name of it so I could look it up. But it's it's great, it, you know. That's that's the really fun part of this is it's the interactions with people. So the more the merrier. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and thank you again so much for running. We're really looking forward to seeing how this all, all turns out. But, you know, no matter what, we really appreciate all the work that you put in on the behalf of all of us. But, yeah, so Kim Reader, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Kim. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter at my old KY Pod. You can find our, you know, on a podcast or the podcast app of your choice. We have an occasional newsletter that you can sign up for at tinyletter.com/slash/myoldkentuckynewsletter. And last but not least, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com/slash/myoldkentuckypodcast. Please do that. It helps. Uh, we got the show bill this week, so you know, throw us some money. I would appreciate it. All right, and that's it. Thank you for listening, and we will see everybody next week. <laughs>